Hi, everyone. So today we have a really impromptu episode of History in the News for you. We just got word that Roe versus Wade has been overturned after about 50 years. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that actually means today, what how that applies to what's going on. And then in the future, I'm going to upload another episode where we dig deeper into the history of the Roe versus Wade decision, where it came from, where the abortion movement came from, and all of those things. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll be uploading that when I have a little bit more time. I already have tons of notes on the subject, and I went through and I did a bunch of research on it. But being that uh, I have other things I need to run and do today, I haven't had time to actually record the whole episode. So I will get that out to you shortly. But what I wanted to do is I just wanted to talk about today what that actually means um, now that uh, Roe v. Wade has officially been overturned. Now, uh, a couple months ago, we had a a, uh, a Supreme Court official who actually uh, leaked this uh, verdict before it was released. Um, I think what they were trying to do was gin up more excitement about it, but in particular, probably um, uh, when I say excitement, I don't mean excited in a joyous sense. I think what they were trying to do was to gin up their base to try to threaten the Supreme Court officials, the other ones. Um, we saw the other day that there was a attempt on uh, uh, to take out um, Brett Kavanaugh uh, and to um, and to assassinate him. And uh, uh, court um, and Clarence Thomas has also been under uh, significant pressure over the last few weeks as well, leading up to this decision. So we had this decision today. Yesterday, there was another one that was announced that struck down a important uh, gun law that was uh, in New York and in California. And so I'm going to dig deeper into that and release some more details on that as well, what that decision has to do. But basically, what just happens today um, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, effectively what it does is it flips everything uh, from being a federal issue back to a state's issue. So um, Roe versus Wade didn't happen until uh, 1973. And uh, with the Roe versus Wade uh, decision, um, basically what it did was it went and it took the uh, it, it took what was previously a state by state decision and then it made it a, uh, a federal issue. And so um, in 1973, uh, the whole issue about the Roe versus Wade um, uh, lawsuit, uh, went like this. I'm sourcing all of this from uh, findlaw.com. Uh, they have a summary of the actual Roe versus Wade uh, issue and the lawsuit. And so I'm going to read some of the stuff from their, uh, their summary so that we make sure we get accurate information. So I'm just going to read this. It says Roe versus Wade is a 1973 lawsuit that famously led to the Supreme Court making a ruling on abortion rights. Jane Roe, an unmarried pregnant woman, filed suit on behalf of herself and others to challenge Texas abortion laws. Uh, it says that uh, a Texas doctor also joined the lawsuit, uh, saying that the the Texas laws were too vague for doctors to actually follow. And so he had actually, prior to this lawsuit, uh, been arrested once before for actually violating the statutes. So what they were doing is they were suing, saying that uh, that the state doesn't shouldn't have control of that and that the laws were too vague. And uh, so the two important things that were actually decided by this case uh, were, one, that the United States Constitution provides a fundamental, quote, right to privacy that protects a person's right to choose whether to have an abortion. And secondly, that the abortion that uh, abortion as a right is uh should be balanced against the government's interests in protecting health and prenatal life. So it basically takes and it walks a line where it says that there's a right to privacy, which gives a woman the right to be able to choose um, whether or not to have an abortion at any time during the pregnancy. And then uh, the the it also says 
that the government plays a critical role in that. So the legal arguments from both sides of this, there was the uh, the, the uh, Texas on the state the state of Texas because they were suing they're suing the state of Texas. Um, so the Texas defense uh, was based on three main points. Uh, the first one was that states have an interest in safeguarding health, which uh, includes maintaining medical standards and protecting prenatal life. Uh, they also argued that a fetus is a person protected by the Fourteenth Amendment. And then thirdly, they argue that protecting prenatal life from the time of conception is a compelling state interest. So the state has an interest in protecting uh, in pr- pr- protecting uh, preborn uh, kids. Um, the on the the opposing side of that, uh, on the uh, side of Jane Roe, um, the claims that they made were these three. Uh, the first one was that the Texas law invaded an individual's right to liberty under the Fourteenth Amendment. The second thing was that the Texas law infringed on the rights of to marital, familial, and sexual privacy guaranteed by the Bill of Rights. And third was that the right to an abortion is absolute. A person is entitled to end a pregnancy at any time for any reason in any way that they choose. So um, you can hear that those, if we, like, if we take those and make them even more brief, um, basically uh, Texas is arguing that there is a, uh, that they're arguing for the, that the fact that a baby cannot defend itself, and so it's the state is dependent on the state to protect it, whereas the Roe argument is the opposite, that uh, the state shouldn't have any ability to protect uh, pre-born citizens of the United States. So um, what this effectively does, uh, when, uh, they, when the Supreme Court, this, uh, this, this lawsuit eventually made it to the Supreme Court, and they sided with Roe, is that it established those three things, that, uh, that you can have an abortion at any time uh, for any reason in any way you choose, and that it's created this uh, what's called the Privacy Clause, which basically was an extrapolation of the Bill of Rights saying that you have a right to privacy, which is actually not directly stated anywhere in the Bill of Rights, um, but they created a new, uh, a new interpretation of the Bill of Rights to include that. So this is what the Roe Ro versus Wade whole debate was about. Now, there were subsequent lawsuits um, where we had Planned Parenthood involved, uh, a couple of other lawsuits that are much more recent. Um, but with the overturning of the Roe versus Wade uh, arguments, it takes this from being a federal issue and puts it back as a state's issue. I should mention like the surrounding context here. So in Texas, at the time of this lawsuit in 1973 and prior to, uh, abortion was uh, completely banned. So there was, uh, if you, if a doctor committed an abortion, um, he was actually liable um, and uh, could be put in prison for for that. And so there was uh, penalties for uh, committing abortions and that sort of thing. Now, uh, in where does this all put us now? So, like I said today, I'm being very brief with this. In the future, I'm going to upload um, a much more detailed. Uh, podcast about this. I have already dug into a lot of different things going all the way back to uh, ancient times where we talk about the Mayans and prior to that uh, we talk about uh, some various biblical references and some different quotes and different things about that. Um, we talk into we talk about the eugenics movements and how Planned Parenthood came into the picture, um, how Margaret Sanger in, in influenced all this stuff and her personal history. Um, I talk a little bit more about uh, direct quotes from different lawsuits. There was a lawsuit of particular interest to this uh that was in 1927 um it was the buck versus bell lawsuit um 
and it was a uh, a lawsuit that had a lot to do with the eugenics movement and uh, forced sterilization and other things like that. And so there's a lot of um, really deep topics to get into. But as far as the application for the overturning of Roe versus Wade today, uh, the big thing that this does is that basically whatever a state's laws are, are now the state's laws. So, um, for instance, in the uh, I was just looking at this uh, in the state of Ohio, they passed what's called a heartbeat bill. Um, and there's over 10 states that have already passed these. They basically have been passing them in the last few years. The thing with the heartbeat bills up until this point is that they've basically been a, uh, a, a signal saying that this is what the state's uh, actually want to do. This is what the state actually wants to put ha- as their own law. But up until now, because of the federal statutes and the supremacy clause, the uh, states have not actually been able to enact them. So we pass them as a default. So on upon the uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade, these laws go into into uh, go into action. So uh, for example, in Ohio, uh, currently up until uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, they're, uh, they're in the States, they had a 20 week abortion, uh, window. So anything, uh, from the time, uh, from, from conception on, uh, there was 20 weeks to, uh, to abort. And, uh, now what they're going to do is there are some, uh, inner workings, uh, within, uh, the, uh, the legislature who are going to now take and move on the, uh, the new, uh, heartbeat bill and actually, uh, start applying it. So um, basically what this says, uh, as I look at this, uh, it says that uh, Attorney General Dave Yost, uh, and this is in Ohio again, filed a motion on Friday morning asking a federal judge to allow a 2019 law to take effect banning abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is about six weeks. It's not clear how long that will take, but the judge must follow the U.S. Supreme Court's directions. Uh, here's the quote. The most important thing that Ohioans need to know today is that abortion is still legal in Ohio, said Kelly Copeland, who is the executive director of a po- of a pro-choice Ohio. Um, quote, there are nine clinics ac- across the state and several in neighboring states that can safely and legally ab- provide abortion care for patients. Uh, today is truly devastating, but it is not the end. So essentially what happens is that once this six-week ban is put into place, um, once it makes its way through the pipeline in Ohio, uh, then the twenty week it, the the window goes from twenty weeks to six, so it's not illegal to get an abortion. It's still possible in the first six weeks, but um, once a heartbeat has been detected, or a uh, or in a lot of these bills they also specify brain activity. If brain activity is is detected, then at that point there is no there is no return. So there is no uh, abortion after that. So um, a lot of the uh, the uh, ones that have been pushed for by different pro-choice groups are abortion bans that go all the way up until uh, up until birth. Uh, there was actually uh, uh, there was a big deal in Virginia uh, a couple of years ago uh, where the current uh, or the guy who was currently in office there uh, he was the oh, oh goodness I need to go back and look at it I think he was the uh, he was the mayor of a certain town but he was basically talking about a uh, a he was basically talking about a full uh, having abortion all the way up until birth. And uh, they cornered him on this, and he actually said that even if the baby was born, they were still willing to abort it, um, which is basically just infanticide. And so there's lots of different arguments on both sides of this. And uh, the the big thing that I just wanted to drive home here is that 
Uh, what this does is it takes whatever the heartbeat bill or whatever bills were in place in the state legislature and puts them uh, on the track to being in effect. Not instantly. So as of today, like in Ohio, uh, it's still a 20 week for the moment until everything gets cleared through the rest of the Ohio legislature. But uh, the as soon as that's done, uh, it and it will happen now because the other courts who are below the Supreme Court can't stop it anymore like they used to be able to. Um, whatever the state legislature passes is what is the law in the state and it's not being overruled by the federal government. So that's the big application here. So um, what I tell you to do is go and look at uh, the laws that are currently in your state, wherever you may be, and uh, that will be your answer as to what the situation is because it's no longer dependent on what the federal government says. It's what's the right of the people. It's the right of the people to do their own government in their state. And so the different states have different politics and with these different states they are able to tune those politics to match their people in that state and so um here in missouri we have a heartbeat bill that basically that also says that if there's uh any brain activity or heart activity um that is uh found then abortion is off the table at that point it becomes a an issue now uh, one last thing i should mention before i wrap this up is that uh all these heart bills do include uh different uh they do include different provisions for uh, rape and incest and that sort of thing. And so you have these uh, these secondary deals. Um, a lot of common argument for it is uh, for the abortion rights is that, well, what in the case of rape, what in the case of incest, even though those are very like tenths of a 1% of the abortions that are actually committed in the last 50 years, um, it's a tiny little minuscule percentile. Um, that's a common argument for on the pro-choice side. Um, but the thing that happens here is that a lot of these still provide um, doors from which we can pursue an abortion if there's a case of uh, incest or rape or something like that or not. Um, it's just the that it does offer that option in certain cases, but that by and large, the at will for any reason, any time abortion is no longer the uh, the the federal the federal statute of that uh, is no longer in place. So that's what happens. Um, go ahead and do your own research. Look at some of the stuff on here. Um, search around. Look at the state's laws for your particular state, and then uh, and then take that into consideration. It's just a really interesting thing to see a uh, ruling that's been viewed as a terrible ruling for the last fifty years finally being overturned. And uh, and even when I read the arguments earlier, the arguments that were created by uh, these by the uh, row um, by the row. Uh, well, through Jane Roe and her, uh, her legal team, um, are really quite thin uh, because they're, first of all, creating a new interpretation of something that's been interpreted one way for the last 100 or so years, 130 years at this point. Uh, at that point, in 1973, it was at least 130 years. I don't know if I'm doing my math right, 150 years, something like that. So the Constitution had been enacted for a very long time. And the Bill of Rights had also been enacted for a very long time. And they suddenly came back and they said, oh, well, we're going to re re reinterpret this. And the Supreme Court uh, at the time decided that they would reinterpret the way that the Bill of Rights was used. Uh, what we do now is we're basically going back to what the Constitution originally said. We're not reading between the lines and adding stuff in like a privacy clause that doesn't actually say anything or that's not actually there. Um, we're reverting back to what is actually written on the page. So that's the thing that uh, is really makes a big difference here, and that uh, the Supreme Court is making a lot of judgments right now uh, that do 
that basically takes this uh, this vague vagueness um, or interpretation out of uh, what has been put into the law over the last 50 years. So we're cleaning up. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is the History in the News podcast. My name is Donnie. Um, I work on uh, on uh, all the marketing and uh, working on this podcast, and I help with organizing stuff behind the scenes for Ox's Practical Defense. Uh, what we do is we try to help students, um, people who are interested in organizing their lives in a better defensive manner, um, whether that's thinking about laws like this that are taking the place, how this apply to me, to physical defense. We do, uh, we're, we're, we're what's called a SPEAR certified trainer. Um, we work with police departments and we work with agencies like that to do SPEAR training. Um, we also do private uh, consultations for people who are interested in uh, taking concealed carry classes or who want to uh, improve their security in various different ways depending on their situation. Um, we work with a lot of different people in a lot of different positions and we customize everything for that person. We also do security team planning for churches and other uh, places that are under attack recently. And so we help you guys, we help churches to organize their insurance and to uh, train their, their um, security team members and to make sure that everybody's operating within the law and knows what to do in the circumstance that something bad happens. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you much.